Uh, we're going to spend a few minutes uh, just uh, hearing a message uh, this morning from, uh, from God's Word. And as we do, I kind of want to jump off this Easter egg uh, idea and the Easter egg hunt idea. When you talk about an egg hunt, I had a little plastic egg and now I forgot it. Does anybody have a plastic egg? We had thousands of plastic eggs. Thank you, Carmelina. There we go. When you talk about an egg hunt... It's not really about, the, don't worry, Nathan, this one's empty, dude. She didn't, she didn't give me any, yeah, this one's empty, man. She didn't give me anything of value. Um, so when you talk about an egg hunt, it's not really about the eggs, right? It's not really about the eggs and the plastic egg. I mean, imagine when my kids were little, uh, we do Easter egg hunts, we still kind of do them hide them around the yard and everything. Imagine if they went around with their little baskets and they filled them up with their little bags and then they got down and they sat down with their eggs and they started opening. When they opened the first one and it's empty and they're like, oh, well, that's a mistake, right? And they open the second one and it's empty and then they're like, now we've got a problem. And all of a sudden they find out all the eggs are empty I don't know how that would go over in your house, but in my house, there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It would not go over well. And why? Because it's not really about the egg, is it? It's really about what's inside the egg. It's really about what's inside the egg that matters. The piece of candy, the stickers, the little coin, Uh, In my family, sometimes the little note that says, go get five bucks from Uncle Rick. I don't write those notes. I don't know who writes those notes. But that's really what it's about, right? What's inside. I don't know how this tradition of hunting and finding eggs got connected with the church. I have yet to find a clear... I don't know why uh, we talk about the resurrection of Jesus and somehow eggs and bunnies got involved. I'm not sure where that stems from. It's interesting, though, the connection that it has. I mean, even recently, I was driving, and I saw that towns were having egg. A lot of towns have egg hunts now. And I was driving by, and I thought, oh, here we go. Now the town's taking something else away from the church. And I'm like, wait a second. I don't even think the egg hunt has anything to do with the church. Somehow we got it from somewhere. But somehow this tradition got started where eggs uh, got associated with Easter, where we remember the resurrection of Jesus. I want to try and make at least one connection for you this morning to an egg, plastic egg, and the Christianity and this message about Jesus. Try and make one connection. I want to do that with one verse of the Bible and two stories of people from Mount Hope. People you may not know if you are new with us, but people who I think you will be able to connect with their story. Because the truth is, we're not all that different. In fact, we probably have a lot more in common than we often admit. Often our differences get highlighted, but we're really not all that different. The one thing I think we have in common is we are all breakable. Now, I was going to have a real egg up here and break it at this point on our brand new carpet that got installed last week, but I think Pastor Marvin would have a heart attack if I did that, 
He worked so hard to get our new car put in here, so I won't do that. But it's true about eggs, and it's true about people, isn't it? We're all breakable. We're all fragile. We all crack. We all have cracks that have been in us and that have come upon us. Maybe it's something that you've done, or maybe it's something that someone has done to you. But we all break at some point. We have cracks. Some of us may be a little tougher than others, and it takes a little harder to get you to crack, but something will get you to crack. Sometimes it's a diagnosis that you didn't expect. I've sat down across the table from very successful, very together, very positive outlook people who got a diagnosis and it crushed and cracked their world. Maybe it's a word that somebody said to you years ago that you can't let go of, or maybe it's something someone said yesterday. Things that come into our lives and bring cracks into our lives cause us to feel broken. Maybe it's a rejection that you got or experienced years ago. Right after Jesus lived on the earth, there was a man named Paul who was called by God to get his message out. And he actually, under God's inspiration, wrote many of the books that we have in our Bible. In one of the books he wrote, we call 2 Corinthians. And there's a verse in that 2 Corinthians where he says that we are all like jars of clay. Jars of clay. Now, we may not be familiar with it. Maybe you have some jars of clay in your house that you get from, you know, uh, you know the store. And you put them up as decorations and things. But back in Paul's time, they were just common vessels that people used all the time. We used glasses, they had clay pots, clay jars, and it was the most common thing Paul could think of, but also pretty fragile and pretty breakable. And, he, and Paul said, this is what we're like. We're all like jars of clay. We're easily broken. We're fragile. We should all kind of be stamped with handle with care on us. Because we all break pretty easily. We know what it's like to be cracked and broken in this world. My question for you this morning is, when you're cracked open, what do people find inside of you? When you're cracked open in those times of brokenness, what is it that's found inside of you? And are you looking for something to fill maybe an empty spot? Because sometimes when we're cracked open, sometimes when we experience brokenness, we discover that there's an emptiness that we maybe didn't even realize was there. I told you earlier that I want to share a couple stories with you. So I want to share a story with you here of some people at Mount Hope. The first story is of a man, a young man, who when his life was cracked open, he felt and found himself very empty. You, even if you don't attend this church, you may recognize this man and his, this man because a couple, about a month ago, he was actually all over the news. Um, many of the news stations carried a story that you might have seen uh, about a plow truck driver that was in a market basket parking lot in Methuen and heard a woman crying for help 
and there was a woman that was being assaulted and this plow truck driver got out of his plow, went and helped the woman, chased away the assailant and actually went and chased down the assailant, which the police do not recommend, but he went and chased down the assailant and uh, eventually the police came and were able to apprehend him. Uh, and so maybe you saw that story on the news. The man's name is Jay. Uh, he attends here at Mount Hope in Burlington. And there's another part of his story that I think it's important for you to hear this morning. So here's Jay's story. My name is Jay. Uh, this is little Maya. And um, we live up in Salem, New Hampshire and have been attending Mount Hope for three years. So I grew up in a Christian family. Um, since I was 10, um, my whole family has been Christian. But we came here to this country. Uh, it was a little different. Uh, it, it wasn't a lot of Christian uh, friends or Christian um, families or members. So it was a little tough. Um, it was a little tough for me to continue as a Christian. I always, I, I grew up with parents that always, you know, taught me right from wrong. Um, but I decided always to make my own decisions and live, live my own way. Um, and then over, over years of time, um, I grew real distant from my family and, you know, lost most of my friends I grew up with because um, I chose a path that um, most people don't want to be around um, no matter how much they love and care for you. Um, I got involved with uh, drugs and a lot of other, you know, bad things. And at the time, I always blamed God for all my problems. During this period, um, there was good times, but a lot of bad times with the relationship with my family, um, my parents, my brother and sister. Um, you know, they always loved me and they always will, but I did so many things and was involved in a lot of things that, you know, that pushed them away. I didn't become clean until I was at a facility one time getting help and then my parents had let me know that they were moving away, um, they had moved to South Carolina and that's when God basically gave me the opportunity like, hey Jay, you've tried everything else, you've tried having your mom help you, this place help you, now you're left with me, so it's either me or that's it. And that's when God, I accepted God fully into my life and He completely changed my life around. Once I began um, getting clean and, um, you know, getting off the drugs, I was still left with myself. I still didn't feel comfortable even though I didn't um, use alcohol or, or any drugs anymore. Um, but, but by praying to God and learning what God really wanted for me, over time I became became able to feel comfortable um, in my own skin without having to put anything in my body to make me feel that way. My relationship with my family now is the best I really believe it ever could be. Um, there's just so much trust in each other now, or I should say trust in me. Um, my father has became, I tell people all the time, he's not my father anymore. We're best friends now. Um, which was me and him butted heads a lot um, over time, but there's just so much love and support with each other now. You know, I feel so, so blessed that, you know, my family stuck around uh, for me throughout, throughout all my bad times, and now um, 
you know, it it was all it was all worth it because I wouldn't appreciate my family for what they've done for me if I didn't go through that. I'm so blessed with the family that I have now and the person that I'm with right now. Um, he's amazing. He um, the way that guy's working with him um, is great. Um, I I cannot be happier. I never imagined. Um, being married um, or having a child, and I feel so incredibly blessed now. Um, what God has done for me just in the last six years alone, um, I've started my own business. I've been married for a few years. Um, now we have a, a, a baby girl here that's about seven weeks old, and I couldn't you know, ever ask her for anything more, ever feel any more you know, happiness. I, on a daily basis, and never thought it was possible. Thanks, Jay, for sharing your story, man. Appreciate that. It's, uh, there's a void we all have that we try and fill with things. Jay tried to fill it with drugs and other things. You could be trying to fill it some other way. Try and fill that void sometimes with achievement, advancement, positions, possessions. You could be trying to fill it with success or what is it? Maybe you're trying to fill that void with your family or relationships. Or you find yourself filling that empty space with entertainment Maybe you have all these things going on in your life so that you never have any free time, that you never have to think about what might be that empty space. Media, texting, Netflix, binge watching, whatever it is, because you know that if you stopped for two seconds, you'd have to face the reality that there are cracks in your shell and that maybe if you were cracked open, there would be that empty space that you're trying to fill with other things, but you're not quite sure what to do with it. That's often what happens, I think, with us. We get so distracted and we distract ourselves so often so that we don't have to think about these things. We don't have to spend time uh, thinking about that. What if your next job is not going to fill the emptiness? What if it's, but what if it's not your job to fill the emptiness? What if it's not your job to fix all the cracks in your life? What if it's not your job to fill your empty space in your life. I believe that it's not your job, but that you have been created with a space in your life that only God is going to be able to fill. See, the more of this verse that Paul says when we are jars of clay, right before that he says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Um, actually, go back to the other one. We have this treasure in jars of clay. It's not just that we are jars of clay. The Bible says we have a treasure in jars of clay. Well, what is this treasure that we have? Paul says it is the presence of God living within people who follow him that ends up being a treasure this knowledge of God that ends up being a treasure such that when you are cracked open, that God actually lives there. That when the cracks seep in and the 
egg is cracked open, that God actually dwells there, that God wants to fill you with his presence in your life. And this is the secret that Paul was talking about. Yep, we're jars of clay. I'm fragile like you're fragile. I'm broken like you're broken. I have cracks like you have cracks. But Paul says that when you come to God, that he actually puts his presence within you. And it's like having a treasure. It's like having something completely uncommon put in something very common. Second story I want to share with you is another couple that attends the church. They actually attend our Belmont campus. And I want you to hear about their story. It's uh, in their life about when cracks started to appear and how they responded to it. Because we often find ourselves in our lives, even following God, and we find out that things come into our lives that we don't expect. And so Joe and Silvana and their family attend our Belmont location, and here's their story. And this is my wife, Silvana. Hi. Uh, we met in 2000. <laughs> Yeah, the, through mutual friends, and Savannah felt deeply in love with me. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I said, so, who's that mysterious man? I want to meet him. And then, um, so we got married in 2008. 2008. May 17, 2008, we were married. And not even before, our one-year anniversary on March 11th, it was, a, it was a rainy morning, and I decided not to go into work early, and I was going to take Savannah to the bus stop. I was going to drive her to the bus stop. So I dropped her off and she needed to cross the street. We were living in Woburn at that time and it was uh, Lexington Street. It's a pretty busy street. And I, I dropped her off at the bus stop and she had to cross the street. So I watched her put her hood over her head and she got past one lane and then she was in the middle of a second lane and I, I saw a car speeding down and not slowing down. And so I was trying to beep the horn. I really don't remember if I was beeping the horn because just everything happened so fast. And the next thing you know, the, it was a 1993 Mercury struck her and uh, threw her 80 feet into the air. And um, I mean, witnesses said that they thought a trash, someone hit the trash bags and the trash bags flying through the air. So I only remember putting my car in park and I just remember running to where she was hit. And, uh, I got to her and she was not responding, but I just remember I continually was just calling Jesus' name. And then it was probably 30 seconds later that uh, I heard her first scream. So she had woken up. So we were taken to Leahy Clinic in Burlington. And I remember just sitting in the emergency room and I can just hear her screaming in pain. I had no idea what was going on. You know, I didn't know if she'd ever walk again. You know, what what outcome was going to happen? What what other bones were broken? You know, then I remember you know my our families coming in. You know, within a matter of half hour. You know, we were just all. They took us into a private room and we were just all on our knees, praying for a miracle and that she was going to be able to recover from this. I was constantly praying. You know, in, in, the, in another week when I finally saw that, you know, everything was going to be right, I was just, I was so thankful. I, I couldn't believe the miracle that God gave me. Um, 
so just before um, our accident happened, when my accident happened, our accident happened, um, we were told we wanted to start a family um, and we were having some difficulties starting a family. Um, so we were um, told by doctors that it would be difficult for us to um, have children. Um, and we didn't know exactly what how serious how, it was how serious um, it was going to be you know one one specialist told us um after a procedure that that we had one specialist told us he's like you know i hate to say it but your chances are pretty close to zero we would be spending nights on the computer doing research for adopt, adoption agencies and you know if that's what god wanted us to do that's what but we were we were just on our hands and knees praying every single night right. for a miracle. And our parents were praying. Our parents were fasting for us. You know, it was just all our, our church, our pastors were praying for us. And so we were referred to one doctor that, you know, was pretty confident when he heard our story. That there was one more thing he could try. Yeah, he wanted to try one more thing. And so... We did it. We had the surgery, and it was it was successful. You know, about 10, 11 months later from that, you know, we got the call on a Sunday morning that Savannah was pregnant with that first child, Sophia, who's seven now. Ten years after um, all of this initial, you know, struggles with infertility, and then the accident happening, um, it's pretty amazing to see. How our, how our prayers were answered. And now we have four children. And um, we're just so thankful. So thankful that God answered prayers for us. Where do you go when you're cracked open and empty? Where do you run to? Because sometimes it's only in those times that we realize that the distractions we've been surrounding ourselves with the things that we've filled our lives with aren't going to do it. When you get a car that hits you and throws you 80 feet in the air, you realize the, 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 the internet stuff that you filled your time with, the hobbies that you fill your space with, it's not going to help you at that moment. When you get cracked open, where do you run to? I believe there's a place in your life that God has designed just for him, such that when you are cracked open, that his presence is the only thing that's going to be able to satisfy you and fill you in that way. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Can you, I'm getting a little ringing here, guys. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Where do you keep something that's valuable to you? My guess is you keep it in a safe place. You keep your passport in a safe or you keep your important documents in maybe a fireproof box. Where do you keep something that's valuable? You keep it in a safe place. A plastic egg would be an odd place to keep something of great value. And so would a jar of clay. So would a jar of clay. So would a person made from dust of the earth 
that one day their body returns to dust is a pretty precarious place to keep a treasure like the presence of God. So why would you do that? The end of this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So God puts his amazing presence and power in fragile, breakable people to show his power so that you can look at Jay and say, it's not Jay that quit the drugs and changed his life. It is God that made the change in his life. So you can say to Joe and Silvana, Joe, Joe couldn't make Silvana come back. They couldn't make themselves have kids. They prayed and they asked God and they say, that's why they go on this video and they say, it's not us, it's God. And there are hundreds of stories sitting in these seats like that. We have this treasure in jars of clay. It's clay pots to show that it's not us. It's God. It's God. And I believe this morning, I question for you is if someone broke you open, if you had that crack in your life, what would they find? Would they find, would you find that there's an emptiness there? Or would you find that there is something there that cannot be shaken by the things of this world, that cannot be taken from you through circumstance, that cannot be torn away from you through anything that happens? but remains because the God who created it all has put his presence in you. If it's your first time in a church like this or your first time hearing a message about this treasure, then it might seem, you might be a little confused and have more questions than answers at this point. But here's what I believe that's going on in the hearts of some of us and some of you this morning. I believe some of you this morning, you're here and you're hearing this message and it doesn't make complete sense and you're a little confused by it and yet you know that there's something true about it and there's something that's resonating with you about it and part of you says it's crazy and something else in you is saying it's true. Uh, Let me tell you what I think's going on. You came here today to hunt for eggs But the truth is God has been hunting and searching for you all of your life. He has been pursuing you. He has been waiting for you to come to a place where you would be ready to open your life to him and his presence. I believe God's been working in your life right up to this very minute. It really has nothing to do with this church or these people, or this egg hunt, we're just jars of clay, like you. It has little to do with us and everything to do with God. And if that's you, and God's been working on your life, and he's been stirring in your heart before today, 
Because this is just a point where God brings you to. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, I just, if I don't do something about this, I feel like I'm going to burst. I think there's some people in here this morning that that's the way you feel and no one else knows it, but you know it. I want you to take out that connect card that Nathan was talking about that you got on your way in. And on the back of that card, God hasn't made it difficult to come to this place where you welcome him into your life and he fills you the way these people have talked about and shared. There's a little prayer on the back of that card. And I want to read it for you and I want you to listen to it and consider if this is where you are and if you're ready to open your life to God today. Here's the prayer. It says, thank you, God, for loving me, for sending your son to die for my sins. I repent of my sins and receive Christ as my savior. And now as your child, I surrender my entire life to you. A prayer like that to some of you is going to seem strange, but I think to others of you, you're saying that's what I need. I need God to take the wheel of my life. I need God to take full control. I need to give it over to him. And if that's where you're at, it's not complicated. God has done all the hard work already. We sang that song at the beginning about the cross. God's done all the hard work already. But the last step is yours, to come to him and invite him into your life. And so I'm going to read the prayer again. And if this is your heart and this is your desire, I'm going to ask you to say it with me, just right where you're at. And if you are already a follower of Christ, I'd ask you to affirm that commitment with me and read it with me as well. And so I encourage you. It's not a magic prayer. The words aren't magic. You can use your own words just a simple prayer that God has for us. So here it is. Let's say it together. Thank you, God, for loving me and sending your son to die for my sins. I repent of my sins and receive Christ as my savior. And now, as your child, I surrender my entire life to you. Amen.